0: Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money podcast wherever you get your podcasts.
1: From Transport Topics in Washington, D.C., this is Road Signs. Here is your host, Seth Clevenger. Thank you for listening to Road Signs, the podcast series from Transport Topics that explores the trends and technologies that are shaping the future of trucking. In this episode, we're going to take a fresh look at the current state of autonomous truck development in 2021. Increasingly advanced driver assistance technologies are already available on the commercial truck market, but at the same time, some technology developers are working hard to make fully autonomous trucking a reality. Today, several companies are testing self-driving trucks on public highways in the U.S., especially in the Southwest. At least for now, though, these test trucks still have safety drivers behind the wheel as they pave the way for commercialization in the years ahead. But what obstacles remain on the road to autonomous trucking? And what will this technology mean for the future of the freight transportation industry and its workforce? To help us answer those questions, we're going to bring in a guest who is right in the middle of this emerging field of technology. With that, we're excited to welcome Boris Sofman, Head of Engineering for the Autonomous Trucking Program at Waymo. Thanks for joining us, Boris. Yeah, thanks, Seth. real Real pleasure to be on. So Waymo is best known for pioneering autonomous driving technology for passenger cars, going back to the Google Self-Driving Car Project. But here on Road Signs, we're most interested in Waymo's trucking division. And commercial trucks are a very different animal in several important ways. Of course, a Class 8 tractor-trailer is a much larger vehicle that requires more time and distance to come to a stop. And it typically spends most of its time traveling on interstate highways rather than through urban and suburban roads. So as you ramp up your testing and development of autonomous Class 8 trucks... To what extent were you able to directly transfer the same sensors and software that you use on your self-driving cars, and what have you been doing differently on the trucking side?
2: Yeah, it's a very good question, Seth. Uh, Probably one of the most exciting um, elements of this, uh, this role and the whole opportunity is Um, the degree of leverage we're able to get from um, Waymo's 10 plus years of investment um, uh, in this space. Um, And so what was was really um, visible from the very beginning and part of just the core thesis of tackling trucking in parallel to um, bringing up the consumer um, transportation side of the business is um, just how uh, much reusable underlying technology uh, is possible and how a majority of what Waymo has been pushing on from the beginning is not about Solving for an autonomous car, but fundamental technologies for autonomous driving, and that actually covers everything from uh, the hardware side, where you uh, you think about the sensors like the lidar, which is absolutely um, best in class, and um, uh, you know cameras, radar, to the compute. Um, Uh, the know-how of how to integrate that hardware into a platform. On the software side, you have um, AI, ML uh, infrastructures, you have core perception systems, behavior prediction systems, planning systems, um, simulation infrastructure logging. And so um, in a lot of ways, um, what we're finding is that these building blocks uh, become very versatile because the idea of understanding the world around you or the idea of um, predicting what other agents might do or what you need to do, it actually carries over quite well. Um, even if um, there's unique differences um, around uh, the domain, like, you know, freeways being very dominant for trucking or uh, specifics around dealing with variable mass or articulated trailers um, or uh, the customers um, themselves. Uh, would, uh, and so those need uh, adoption, but the underlying foundations of how you think about um, tackling the challenge of automating a vehicle um, actually carries over quite well. Um, And I was actually a thesis in the very beginning of the company. Um, And so when trucking started to become a early R&D project back in um, uh, 2017, um, like a very, like a small number of people, like five people were able to bring it up and actually uh, actually get it to, uh, you know, start the test drive on a freeway. And it kind of validated the fact that a lot of this tech carries over. And I think it's one of the biggest advantages um, for Waymo because what we're seeing now is actually technology going both ways, where a lot of the the building blocks that we push on from the trucking side um, actually progress this uh, underlying core technology base and actually help the car side as well. Um, And that's what we uh, want to amplify going forward.
1: Well, it's fascinating how much you can carry over from all that work you've done over the years, uh, working primarily with passenger cars. Uh, but let's talk a little bit more about the on-road testing that you're doing today in your self-driving truck operations. You know, right now, your trucks are running on interstate highways in the Southwest, uh, particularly in Texas. So why did you see this as a, an ideal region for testing? And can you tell us more about your day-to-day operations as you uh, really pave the way for a commercial launch of this technology?
2: So eventually, we obviously see um, trucking being something that uh, generalizes to the um Entire United States and obviously globally as well. Um, but we had to really focus and get a beachhead in a, a place that can help us prove out some of the most um, novel parts of uh, uh, technologies that are necessary to solve this problem and create the least additional headwinds along the way. Um, and so the Southwest US um, uh, is in general uh, very favorable because of um, uh, weather conditions, uh, the geography itself. Um, in the case of um, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, there's uh, very uh, good kind of political factors that um, make this conducive to um, having a clear path to uh, L4 uh, trucks. Um, and, so, and then on top of that, um, you look at some of these corridors, and because of the um, uh, the Port of LA uh, be- becoming a big conduit for a lot of goods traveling across the United States, and then Dallas and Houston being one of the biggest freight hubs in the U.S. as well, we can not only... Um, develop our um, driver over very representative initial routes, but also ones that become very important um, uh, pieces of a broader network that starts to build value from the very beginning, given the volume that they serve. Um, and so, most of our testing is on i, I- ten i twenty i forty five. Um, we also test around our Martin Mountain View headquarters um, uh, in the Bay Area um, around uh, two eighty and one hundred one. Um, and so, uh, you know, a lot of what we're doing, you know, day to day is. Uh, collecting lots of miles, we're doing lots of tests, we're bringing up new pieces of technology, Um, we're doing data collection and trying to discover what that long tail of challenges might look like. Um, The sort of things that only appear when you drive hundreds of thousands or millions of miles um, in between uh, events. And so we're testing those core capabilities and starting to think about what it's gonna take to um, uh, really uh, validate this and, uh, uh, and get it to a level of robustness where we feel good about. Um, going driverless, and then at the same time, we're building up our muscle on the commercialization side by engaging in fleet pilots um, and discussions with, uh, with potential customers that will uh, hopefully transition um, once we're able to go driverless. Um, and then, obviously, working on our partnership in parallel with uh, Daimler um, to actually build the platform itself.
1: Yeah, so many uh, moving parts and and uh, so much work that goes into it. You know, measuring you know miles in the millions uh, as you you prepare for this. And, you know, just turning my attention back to the, uh, you know, the ride hailing uh, side of the business uh, momentarily, you know, last fall Waymo began offering a uh, fully autonomous uh, ride hailing service to the general public in uh, part of uh, suburban Phoenix. So within that specific geographic area, you know, customers today can call up a self-driving uh, Chrysler Pacifica and, and take a ride with no driver on board. Now, uh, when you look at the trucking side, you know, your Class 8 trucks still have a safety driver behind the wheel uh, for backup performance as, as you continue testing and validation. Uh, but when do you anticipate you'll be ready to take that step and pull the safety driver out and begin operating unmanned class eight trucks on public roads? You know, I'm not necessarily asking for a specific date, uh, but how will you know when you're ready to take that step?
2: Yeah, very top of mind. I think one of the biggest advantages that we have uh, at Waymo is that uh, uh, we're the only company that's actually gone that distance. And as you mentioned, has a service that you could Land in the Phoenix area, download the Waymo app, and actually hail a car that has no no safety driver. Um, that's something that uh, nobody else has done. And the advantage of that is um, uh, is actually that um, uh, we, we we've learned the hard way what how big that chasm is from a really really cool looking demo to something that actually. Can go driverless, and that we have the confidence in to release with with real customers on the road, um, knowing exactly in a quantifiable manner what um, how it performs um, from a safety bar. And so for us, we're able to take advantage of that, and so that know-how becomes obviously a huge advantage for trucking at Waymo, where we are able to work backwards. And for now, as you as you mentioned, we do have safety drivers, um, and we have a clear timeline and path. Um, to get the commercialization that aligns the software pro- progress with the hardware um, and when they need to align. Um, but for the time being, uh, we're uh, leveraging drivers in order to be able to aggressively push on the capabilities um, and learn quickly without having to worry about um, uh, safety concerns, and so this isn't going to be something that happens, um, you know, overnight. We obviously, uh, you know, care a lot about the safety and tech readiness over any specific um, uh, point in time, and probably one of the biggest things that we um, we care about is that when we do go driverless, it's not a one-off demo that we then retreat from um, and you know use as a, as a as a checkmark, but it's something where that marks the beginning of. 24 hour uh, a day, seven day a week um, operations that we can then start to scale from uh, one truck up to a a large number of trucks. Um, There are a few just fundamental physical barriers to going driverless today, um, where the trucking industry is um, uh, not quite as mature as the car industry in terms of having redundant platforms um, that are already built into their uh, the, the trucks themselves. And so being able to go fully autonomous um, with no human driver um, is actually something that uh, we won't do and nobody else should do without a system that actually has all of this redundancy and safety features built in so that you have um, failure modes if your brakes fail, your steering fails. Um, on the passenger side, We've we've had multiple um generations of vehicles that have done this. I think that experience is gonna be very helpful for trucking. Um, but the trucking side of the industry um, isn't as far along and that's why the partnership with Daimler is actually so valuable where um uh this is the this this will be a big step up from just the platform and mechanical standpoint where we'll be working together um to create uh to ensure that the platform itself not only is capable of driverless but also has a redundancy um uh, that'll enable it. And so in a lot of ways we're working simultaneously to um, mature the software capabilities in the autonomy stack, while also ensuring that the hardware um, specifications in this project with Daimler are going to meet all of those requirements and enable us to start to ramp um, production when the two collide. From time to time, an issue commands so much of the industry's attention that it requires a deeper dive, a resource readers can turn to, a Transport topic Special Report. We're turning our attention to another big issue, electrification and the key factors that will drive this industry trend. In every case, we're working to provide our readers with information, analysis, and clarity on key issues confronting fleets. One comprehensive resource packed with insights that can give you the edge. Transport Topics invites you to learn more about our special reports. To reserve your copy of the latest special report, visit
1: ttn.ws electrification. You know, whenever we bring up the topic of autonomous trucks, I think naturally one of the first questions that comes up is what it all means for the future of truck driving jobs. You know, I've been making the argument for years that professional truck drivers are going to be absolutely essential for the foreseeable future. You know, even when fully autonomous trucks hit the road, Uh, they're not going to be able to go everywhere and handle every load and every route. You know, they'll be designed for specific applications. And uh, I think they'll be deployed in ways that ultimately complement drivers and and may even make their jobs better by reducing length of haul and enabling more home time. And uh, those are all my thoughts as a a trade press journalist who's been watching this closely. But uh, you, Boris, of course, are right at the center of it on the development side. So, I'd like to hear your take on this question of what automation means for the future of the professional truck driver.
2: Yeah, so th- your intuition is actually um, uh, spot on. This isn't something that's gonna um, it's, uh, going to happen uh, overnight. It's going to be a gradual progression. Um, there's going to be areas of focus and an evolution. Um, uh, every time you grow an order of magnitude and volume of trucks like uh, on the road, Um, That's a giant amount of miles that you're going to absorb and and learn from. And there's going to be things that we need to like adapt to react to different regions in the U.S. have different challenges like weather, um, uh, different freeway properties. Um, We want to expand functionality, uh, not just on freeway bound service and So all these things take time. And I think most people um, underestimate the complexity of not just going to hit your first route, but how much effort it then takes to scale um, into a more generalizable and, and broader functionality, and we've definitely learned this on the consumer side with with cars, where um, you know we're, we're working to build that generalizability in the technology, but that takes a lot of effort um, and a lot of time. Um, and so, as a company, obviously the um, long uh, lo- long term vision is to uh, is to uh, really create this. Um, Flexibility in the uh, in the logistics kind of network in the United States that is actually um, additive and not um, cannibalistic of in terms of its economic impact. And so, when you think of uh, of trucking on its own, it's a it's like the centerpiece of uh, of our economy. But it actually has a pretty huge shortage, as you know, of drivers where um, you know today I believe we have like a 60,000 driver shortage that's projected to widen to 160,000 um, uh, know, throughout this decade. And, um, uh, and the average age is quite high uh, and the replenishment of new people going into space, despite the growing demand, is not great. Um, and so the great thing about um, autonomous driving is that the types of routes that it's most conducive for are actually oftentimes the least pleasant ones, um, to be, uh, a professional driver on. Um, and, and we will always have like, a, a... Compatible needs for either certain routes and also all of the kind of tangential industries around it that are going to benefit from the efficiency gains um, and flexibility gains that that come up. And in fact, even our own drivers are oftentimes veterans with decades of experience. And so we're bringing on more and more uh, people from the industry, whether it's from uh, it, it's technicians or drivers or trainers, uh, testers, and trying to absorb their skill set and and benefit this um, this progress. And so I think when you think about all of the, it's almost similar to the internet where there's obviously a lot of impacts in terms of every business that that translated to. But at the same time, the sheer versatility and efficiency that that enabled created vastly more overall economic positive impact, including jobs in exactly the industries that um, uh, that might have initially thought that there would be a disruption. And I think we're pretty confident that there's a clear complementary aspect here that not only helps directly address some of the job shortages, but actually creates a um, a lot of uh, positive secondary benefits that will start to more and more benefit various industries around trucking.
1: Well, thank you for that insight, and uh, yeah, you're you're certainly you know right on right on the spot when you say that you know driver recruiting, driver retention is really uh, an existential problem for the trucking industry, and you know we we see this this opportunity for automation to Uh, help bridge that gap and and supplement, uh, you know, the workforce and, and uh, quite possibly make a lot of those jobs better in the future. And, you know, you look at some other industries uh, that have been finding ways to combine automation with human labor as technology advances. And, you know, you can look at manufacturing as an example, you go to a, you know, a car plant or a truck plant. And of course, it's amazing the robotics that are in place that handle a lot of the heavy lifting. But Of course, you still see people there who are maybe handling some of the you know, the fine tuning and the the more detail oriented work and of course, overseeing the process. Yeah.
2: Even like uh, Amazon facilities. Um, if you look at the automation that's happened, a lot of times what happens is the density increases, but the net jobs does not go down. Oftentimes it actually goes up because, uh, it just shifts them into other areas that end up benefiting from that efficiency. And I think that, that sort of, um, uh, property I think is going to hold here as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, the, exactly. The warehousing, uh, example is a, is a good one. And, and, you know, that, uh, uh, sort of uh, interaction of robotics and automation with uh, with human labor, and uh, any more insights on how you think the the trucking industry specifically can you know most effectively manage that evolution. Uh, with with combining automation and human labor in, in the years and decades ahead.
2: Yeah, I think this kind of goes to our pr- previous uh, conversation where there's uh, a lot of a- already a-, a good trajectory here, where driving specialists are integrated into every aspect of our operations. Uh, we're building out supplemental roles like dispatchers, technicians, customer support, and uh, you know, of course, that even if the route itself uh, becomes automated, there's a huge amount of complexity and and work required, and and also as part of the core job. Truck drivers beyond just the driving part, and so you think about loading, unloading, inspecting, repairs, the the rec- records keeping of everything that's happening, the the mechanical work that um, comes with a more complicated system, um, the customer support aspects, and so we expect that um, this will actually end up just evolving how people integrate into this chain. But we're we've actually been very pleasantly surprised that you know by the more we learn about this, the more the um, actual capability of driving the truck with different constraints and and different degrees of efficiency, how much that actually opens up um, uh, the ability to then wrap around that and reallocate how, uh, uh, how people end up um complementing uh, these systems. and um, and so we've been doing a lot of like really close um, case studies with uh, with partners and potential customers um, to really understand this. and in, in a vast majority of cases, it's actually very additive um, the moment you're able to break through some of the barriers that existed in the
1: past. And let's talk a little bit more about potential deployment models for autonomous trucks. You know, some of the strategies that have been discussed involve uh, transfer hubs, where you'll have autonomous trucks that would pick up and drop off trailers and then leave the the first and final mile to manually driven trucks. Uh, Or if you can automate the first and final mile, you could potentially deploy a a self-driving truck in a more traditional dock-to-dock operation. Uh, That's the standard today. Uh, But how exactly do you envision deploying autonomous trucks at Waymo?
2: Yeah, so one of our biggest advantages um, at Waymo is we obviously have a huge amount of expertise built up on surface street navigation, which again, trucking is going to be uh, add unique challenges to it, uh, especially from kind of the motion planning, occlusions, like all these really interesting technical challenges, but there's a giant head start in how do you navigate um, uh, complex interactions with pedestrians, vehicles, intersections, and things like that. And so for us, that's going to be a huge advantage. It allows us far more efficiently than we think um, anybody else to be able to stitch together, not just the um, the freeway capabilities, but also end-to-end uh, surface street capabilities. Now, we're trying to be pragmatic and make sure we don't, the ocean and try to tackle everything at once. And so initially, um, we're going to uh, explore. Uh, a mix of these types of models where we are looking at transfer hubs. Um, we are looking at surface street functionality. We're, we're going to have a parallel roadmap that um, uh, where different degrees of capability phase in over time. And again, this is just software. So, um, you know, somebody that ends up partnering with us, you, you would see uh, the capabilities expand over time and fundamentally change the way these trucks can get used. But eventually, I think we're in a really great position to try to c- uh, complete these networks in a way that probably, would be very hard for other companies to do. But initially we wanna start simple because um, getting to market as fast as possible and learning uh, probably has the most value. And then we obviously would very, very quickly expand both routes and then the, the coverage um, of surface streets
1: uh, along the way. And then when you look at the trucking industry itself, uh, of course, it's very fragmented. You have uh, small and medium sized companies that handle uh, much, you know, really the majority of the work. And the operations within the industry are also quite diverse. You, know, you have companies specializing in long haul, uh, some of them are more focused on regional and local routes, and companies are hauling different categories of freight from you know, dry van truckload to refrigerated, flatbed, less than truckload. You have uh, liquid bulk, dry bulk, hazardous materials. Uh, so, Morris, when when you look at the industry, what types of fleet operations do you believe are best suited to autonomous trucks? Uh, in the near future?
2: Yeah, it's a very good question. So um, obviously a few of these, these call, if you had, have unique challenges tied to them if you're um, uh, transporting hazardous materials or liquids or things like that. And so um, you know we might intentionally uh, kind of offset when we kind of green light those, those types of cargoes. But in general, what we're looking for is to create a um, a pretty huge amount of flexibility in how people can use these trucks within a fairly wide range of, uh, of conditions where different customers have different types of loads. And, and the main focus for us is to make sure that we're focusing on kind of high value types of routes uh, as an initial capability. So particularly uh, line and long haul routes. And, uh, and in terms of fleets and how we use them, we want to open up a pretty wide range of, uh, of variable load permutations that we can fully support um, and make it as versatile of a product as possible for our customers. And so from our standpoint, um, you know, we're creating a product that product, just like any other product, you know, digital or lines of physical product, is going to expand in, in capability um, over time. Uh, but we want this to be something that's easy to use, whether you're a, a, a tiny family owned business that just needs a you know, kind of a handful of, of trucks for a route or you're a giant fortune 500 company starting to really automate your logistics um, uh, in a broader part of the US. If we do a really good job of this, it should be a product that's equally usable uh, and acceptable by both. And a lot of our kind of studies and evolution on the kind of product and commercialization side are actually um, really trying to keep this in mind so we're not overfitting to any single type of user.
1: In times like these, it's crucial to stay informed. Transport Topics is offering all the information you need to make business decisions in these unprecedented times. And in the wake of the many event cancellations and group gatherings, TT ensures a virtual way to consume business content and conversation. To join the conversation and stay ahead of the news, follow Transport Topics on all social outlets or by visiting ttn.ws.com forward slash informed. I also want to pick up on uh, some of your comments about the integration of this technology into um, modern trucks. And uh, you, you referenced uh, Waymo's partnership with Daimler Trucks that was announced in October, you with know, the plan being to produce a self-driving Freightliner Cascadia model piloted by the Waymo Driver. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, to make that happen, you're going to need to add new components to the vehicle. You know, redundant steering and braking systems, for example. Uh, so take us through that process because it's not going to be as simple as just adding your sensing, your, your sensors and software to an existing truck.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. This is, this is one of the uh, unique extra challenges for trucking that right now makes 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 a larger body of work necessary on a platform side than on than for example if you wanted to uh, be another entrance into the autonomous car space Um, and so this is a really deep technical integration like you said it's not just adding softwares it uh, sorry adding sensors to a truck Um, it's a really really deep integration of our self driving system which includes uh, sensors compute all the electronics very very precise positioning um, of Those sensors that are meticulously designed to optimize for fields of view, um, occlusions, coverage, redundancy, things like that. And so all of that has to be very meticulously co-managed. And luckily, we've had the experience of doing this with um, a number of of car partnerships, which has carried over really well into how we manage the dimer relationship. Um, And Right now, um, there is no truck on the market. We can order something that is complete even from a redundancy of safety feature standpoint. And so that's something that we're partnering from the very beginning with them with tier ones that will be integrating you know, steering, braking, and um, other parts. And then obviously creating a feedback loop so that we can validate how these systems uh, start to work through prototypes on the software side and ensure that we're not missing anything so that as we lock it in um, for broader production, um, we're happy with the result. And so we're, actually pretty excited because on the other end of this we should come out with an l4 capable truck with what we feel is the best um, oem partner that that we could have picked on the uh, on the market that has been meticulously co-designed with the software strategy and aligns really well with exactly what we need and um and just like just like you see in a lot of industries like uh you know for example um kind of apple with the iphone like a lot of these like really really new industries being vertically integrated and really having a deeper and precise control over like both the hardware and the software part is actually quite critical, especially at an early phase be- before technology starts to get kind of like standardized. We're very, very, very far from that. And so having really deep control and influence over how we design the platform actually makes the software challenge much more tractable.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm uh, personally looking forward to a, I guess I would call it a test drive, but I guess it would be a test ride uh, when the day comes and, and when that all exists and and there's a a truck that's uh, you know ready for commercialization. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that on a personal note. Um, yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for autonomous trucking to, to really take off, it's going to require buy-in not just from the industry itself, but also uh, it's going to depend on public acceptance. Uh, regulators and legislators will need to be on board. Uh, the motoring public will need to be comfortable with it. So what steps can a company like Waymo take to build trust and make people more comfortable with the technology that you're currently developing?
2: Yeah, so this is really top of mind. Uh, so the, the very first thing is um, is transparency and accountability. So you know, in terms of a cultural value, safety is ingrained as the top of the list um, at Waymo. Um, you've probably seen as a good example from uh, the car side where uh, recently we released the entire Safety methodology and process that we use to validate our cars to go driverless, uh, completely, completely driverless um, uh, in the Phoenix area, and we're the very, very first company to have released that sort of a framework that that describes it, and we're very, very proud of it, you know, because this is something that we hope starts to kind of educate. Uh, people and build that trust that um, the rigor we put into validating the system is beyond anything that most people would ever imagine. Um, the sheer number of miles that goes into it, the statistical um, uh, assessment of every single type of scenario you could possibly imagine—from pedestrians to motorcyclists to traffic lights, um, failure modes—it's um, about as, as thorough as I could have ever uh, expected. Like as as I you know, started to learn about what um, what happened on that side. And, and so our hope is that um, this um, demonstration of that rigor and the transparency with which we approach it actually starts to build, build trust in the public, in press, in regulators. Uh, and in fact, like there's also another kind of really important factor that we're like thinking very deeply about is that we want to raise the bar so that everybody is held to this level of rigor because our biggest fear is that somebody cuts a corner and actually uh, has an accident that actually sets the whole field back and particularly in something like trucking where um, the safety case is such a higher bar um, on a freeway with a fully loaded you know 80 thousand pound truck you you have no room to to try to uh, wing it and um, tr- try to see what happens and so from an education standpoint we're increasing more and more our degree of Transparency. Um, I think the car success on the car side and the continued scaling of the car fleet will probably help us on the truck side, where there's a halo effect from that trust and that uh, success rate that carries over. We've already shown like you know really really meaningful numbers of miles and and have you know have have had like a, a really stellar safety record on that front. And then um, obviously we want to work closely with the community and then partnerships like the one with you to help educate the public. And then of course one of the best things that you can do is actually um, uh, experience the technology for. First hand uh, and take a ride. There's nothing quite like sitting in the back of an autonomous truck going down a highway. It's kind of crazy. Same thing with a car. Like you see a car, like you're sitting in the back seat. There's nobody in the driver's seat, and the steering wheel's turning on its own in a you know unprotected like fast-paced road. And even when you know that it's really safe, like you still feel like the first, you know you, you, you it's easy to take for granted. Just like how how meaningful that is. And uh, I hear you're going to be joining our virtual demo. And so things like that are hopefully like a good step in the right direction when you start to see the progress of the industry and you see that you can follow along in our mindset and, and the journey that we take in order to get to full driverless where it's not just bottoms up working towards where we think we need to go, but it's like uh, working back from what we know is the right safety bar. Um, and doing that sort of bi-directional search actually makes for a better development process and a better product.
1: Yeah, Well, thank you for that. That's, that's very helpful. And, uh yeah i think it's just a, in some cases to your point a matter of, of experiencing it firsthand and it builds that that confidence and you know on the on the on the passenger car side i think consumers are getting more and more used to uh some uh safety features that start to incorporate lower levels of automation uh, and and perhaps that helps uh uh further the conversation as well and uh you know speaking of conversations you know we, there's been this ongoing uh, discussion within the trucking industry about uh, the role of automated driving technology really ever since we saw some of the early self-driving truck demonstrations uh, several years ago and over time that conversation has become more nuanced I think the industry as a whole has learned a lot along the way uh, but I also want to give you a chance uh, Boris to address any you know lingering misconceptions about the technology uh, is there anything that you would specifically like to address uh, that you'd like to clear up about? the future of automated driving?
2: Yeah, I'd say this is something that actually applies to both trucking and the car side. I think the um, the world and, I mean, consumers, investors, even companies themselves, I think still underestimate just how massive the surface area is of this problem and, and just how complex it really is. And I think it's deceptive oftentimes to look at a really cool demo or other types of statistics or a Video of a flawless thirty minute run and get a uh, uh and extrapolate from that and say Wow they're really close to driverless because if you just look at the statistics, flawless runs will happen all the time if you have even like a very basic level of of robustness and so those are not like um the right metrics. What really matters is How do you quantifiably think about how you handle the like one in a million mile rare scenario and these corner cases that end up being like the long tail that keeps you from going from a really great demo to fully driverless? And I think Waymo really learned that lesson on the car side um, where, you know, there were incredible demos, you know, like seven, eight years ago, and it took a lot longer to actually get to like a service that we could be running day in and day out and just almost take it for granted where it's just happening behind the scenes. And there's customers right now taking autonomous drives uh, um, in the Phoenix area. We're trying to really internalize that on trucking where even more so on trucking, it's you can show progress reasonably quickly, but the rigors that are necessary to deal with these like less visible and sometimes less glamorous situations like long tail construction zones or dealing with every permutation of failures from your sensing to mechanics um, like all of those things are the, are, are the things that really are, are the gate to go driverless and i think the it would be great for the world to really appreciate that that you know you you can't look at the cosmetics uh and extrapolate directly from it because this is really really hard and i think um Uh, there's a lot of respect for it. Um, And then even when we do reach driverless or, you know, and when every, uh, like any company reaches driverless, um, it's not something that just happens overnight. Um, There's a huge amount of focus on a particular well-defined domain and that path to like really expanding into broader functionality. It'll take time. And just like any other massive and transformative technology takes decades to evolve uh, and really kind of grow into its like full form. Um, and that also is something that's exciting because it means that there's always new challenges on the horizon, but it also means that like anybody who says that overnight, we're going to solve all of autonomous driving. It just, there's a, it's a fundamental impossibility. Um, and so maybe that's a good lesson for just autonomous driving in general, not even just trucking.
1: Yeah, that's not that very helpful. Uh, before I let you go, Boris, I'd like to open it up for you to share any you know final thoughts you may have about the work that you're doing at Waymo and your vision for the future of the trucking industry.
2: Yeah. Uh, I absolutely love the uh, the work here. it's it, it's like a collection of some of the most talented people I've ever uh, crossed paths with and it almost feels like it's the most cutting edge R&D across like every segment of this problem, which is just so massive that you almost have to rethink everything from validation to sensing to the autonomy stack to operations to everything else and so um, it's been super cool. Uh, You know, this is the autonomous driving of that got me into robotics in the first place. This is kind of a dream to be able to, like, uh, kind of see the the landscape, kind of enable uh, us to not have to squint too hard to actually see how this, like, makes it to commercialization and starts to have a big impact. Trucking is just one of the most exciting industries because if you extrapolate from forward from a first phase where you're able to solve existing routes and kind of introduce an alternative within the confines of the current logistics industry that already is meaningful and transformative and uh, addresses a trillion dollar industry. What becomes really, really exciting is if you think about uh, and you fast forward when this becomes far more prevalent, and you compare it to what's happened with like really, really important technologies like the computer or the internet, it doesn't just transplant certain segments of a of a sector with a little bit higher efficiency or cost uh, dynamics. Um, it actually completely enables you to rethink how you approach this like really critical part of the economy and almost, you know, kind of spawns entire industries and enables opportunities that didn't exist before. And so that's where it gets really, really exciting, where once you think about what happens at scale and what becomes possible, it's actually like just fascinating to think about how the um, entirety of logistics can potentially start to morph um, to embrace this uh, and completely unlock elements of the economy that just were never possible before. So I think it's sometimes fun to be able to zoom out and think about it that way. And, um, uh, and we're far, far, far away from that, but I think that's, that's what makes us so exciting and, and continually transformative, um, over both the near-term and the long-term.
1: Yeah. I mean, I couldn't agree more on, um, really all that's happening in trucking and freight transportation. There's, is often, um, overlooked and perhaps, uh, Uh, underappreciated industry, uh, but it is so essential and uh, still waiting for for my first boring day of work covering it. Uh, (laughs) There's so much happening and a lot of that has to do with the technology that that companies like Waymo are developing.
2: Yeah, we joke, it's still not boring, still not boring. (laughs) (laughs) Always a good time. Definitely. So yeah, Seth, so we got to get you out as soon as um, uh, the world's in better shape uh, uh, to get a real ride. Um, it'll be fun to, to host you and actually get you in a truck.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. And you know, this has been a, a great conversation, but uh, I see where we're short on time. So I think that's a great stopping point. Uh, we'll leave it there. Uh, thanks again, Boris, for joining the podcast and sharing your insights. We really appreciate you taking the time.
2: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Did you know you can ask Alexa to open Transport Topics? In just one minute, you will hear the biggest trucking headlines of that day. Be prepared and start your morning off right with Transport Topics.
1: Before we close, let's take a moment to revisit our original questions. What will it take to make autonomous trucking a reality? And what will this technology mean for the future of the industry and its workforce? It's clear that automating highway driving is no simple task, but the technical challenges are only one piece of the puzzle. As we've discussed during this episode, a successful rollout of autonomous trucks will also require buy-in from the trucking industry, government regulators, and the motoring public. Developers of this technology will need to continue building that public trust and confidence as they pave the way for commercialization. While the exact timing remains elusive, The trucking industry should expect to see various forms of self-driving technology reach the market in the coming years, but it will scale up gradually. Fully autonomous trucks capable of unmanned operation will be designed for specific applications. They won't be able to go everywhere or haul every load. And that means the trucking industry, and society in general, will continue to depend on well-trained, professional truck drivers for the foreseeable future. Ultimately, trucking fleets will most likely deploy self-driving trucks in a manner that complements human drivers, and may even make their jobs better. Automating some long-haul routes, for example, could create more regional and local driving jobs that provide more home time for drivers. As technology continues to advance, trucking, like many other industries, will develop new ways to combine human labor with automation to improve safety and efficiency. If you've enjoyed this episode of Road Signs, please let others know. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If my questions have sparked questions of your own, share them with me and the road science team. You can email us at share at ttnews.com. We'll read them and respond daily. And of course, we'll be back in two weeks with a fresh episode of Road Science. Until then, I'm Seth Buminger. Thank you for listening.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast.